VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the game podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And as you can probably Yay! tell from here by voice, yes, I'm here. I made it back. Uh, I know everybody's waiting with bated breath, <laughs> but we were able to rearrange a few things thanks to the superhuman efforts of our producer, Charlie, and uh, and also our kind guest, who I'm about to introduce with me in the studio, the man with two first names. No, not Bill Edgar, <laughs> Gary Jacob. Good morning, Gabby. Later on, we'll be discussing Merseyside, Brendan Rogers. Some more Brendan Rogers, <laughs> and maybe even Claudio Ranieri if he gets sacked during the show. But we start with what is turning into a very poor week for Tottenham. Defeat at Burnley on Saturday was followed by a tuna loss at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday night. We'll come on to Spurs in a moment, but let's focus on Chelsea, shall we? Positives for Chelsea. Um, Gab, what did that result tell us about a Chelsea team whose spirit we've questioned recently? Um, well, it tells us that Spurs weren't particularly good, which some people maybe could have seen coming after Burnley or whatever. But I also think that we love going and coming up with, with narratives, right? So when a team starts doing badly, it's because so-and-so's lost the dressing room or the, the one expression which I hate. And I know you've never written this, Gary, but it's just because I just I think it's stupid as an, exep- as an expression is downing tools, right? Downing tools. You've never used that, right? No. I never quite bought into it with Sadi, not because Sadi's this wonderful, charismatic figure who all the players adore, but simply because you need to look at the situation of the players themselves. And as I've said so many times, and I think it's really, really important, you have Hazard, Pedro, and William, all of whom are out of contract in 2020. Hazard will go to Real Madrid if they want him, and um, I don't think Chelsea are in a position where they can stand on his way. The other two, their future pretty much depends on how they perform. Correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, since you're the transfer guru. They may get a one-year extension. You go and you try to down tools when you say, oh, look, let's get this guy out. Let's get a better manager in in the next season. Who is in that position at Chelsea, right? David Luiz is another one out of contract this summer. Um, Antonio Rudiger is basically, you know, the son Maurizio Sarri never had. So it's obviously not him. Um, you can make a case for Kepas, Piliqueta, maybe. Alonso's another one of his uh, of, of his favorites. N'Golo Conte is such a nice guy. You can't see him doing it, right? Barkley has had his career revived by him and only ever says wonderful things about him. And, of course, Jorginho is literally his son. Um, you just don't have the, the, the people there where it's plausible. Now, it doesn't mean that Sarri's 
doesn't make mistakes or it doesn't mean that he might give them instructions that they don't understand or are the wrong instructions or maybe they say, you know, screw this and they're not concentrated, not possibly, none of that. But this idea that they would sort of willfully start playing against them and they somehow lost the dressing room. They may be skeptical of his ideas, but they also have, I think, an interest in performing. And we so often guilty of ignoring the fact that these are professional athletes and that except for certain cases, like when somebody signed a really long contract or whatever, they very rarely willfully underperform. And also, if we look at the two games that they've, in inverted commas, play well in, he had his tactics, certain type of tactics for the Man City game, and obviously Man City is the final, who's not going to play well in the final? And it was Tottenham last night. You, you do that because it's Tottenham anyway. Let's see Fulham, let's see... But you, you also know. knew that because it was Tottenham, if you watch the, the United game you knew that this was a game where if had Chelsea lost and played badly and had the crowd turned on him yeah. the way they did in the United game, I think he might have been toast because I think that's like the one limit is because it happens very rarely in England where a crowd actually, at a home team in such a big rival, you know, you knew that that might have been the breaking point. On the game itself last night, the big decision pre-match was the team announcement and that Kepper was dropped to the bench after his refusal to come off in the Carabao Cup final on Sunday. Gary, any surprise with that? Did it disprove Sari's post-match assertion that it was all just a misunderstanding? I mean, personally, I was surprised because I just thought, you know, Caballero isn't as good a goalkeeper, so I was a little bit surprised. But he obviously wanted to make a statement. I mean, you could... If you were really played devil's advocate, you could actually say that Sari's post-match thing about a misunderstanding could be true and you still could find him because you could argue, well, he's, regardless of misunderstanding, he should have gone to the touchline and come off. So you could argue that, you know. But, but what's obviously clear over the last few days is whatever strategy Chelsea have had has been slightly undone and it was purely going to be a tactical decision on Sunday and he's obviously took umbrage at that decision and he's just stayed on. So what do you mean tactical decision? Well, to bring Caballero on and play him in goal for the, against the penalties. You really believe that? Yeah, I do, yeah. Do you not? Do you think it... I can see the logic in that. We talked about this on Monday. And Caballero has obviously, you know, used to play for City and he has a much better record saving penalties than, than Kepa. But the problem with that logic is twofold. One is, if he was going to do that, he could have done it, you know, after full time and just before the penalties. He doesn't have to do it during the actual game, right? Secondly, when Chelsea were in this situation before, in the um, semi-final uh, second leg against Spurs, mm. Kepa started. That went to penalties. They still had a substitution left, and he didn't do it. Now, it's possible he discovered Caballero's wonderful penalty record in between those two games, but it seems odd that he wouldn't have done it then. City's the slight difference between the two, isn't it? Former, former team and... But again, I think it was two of the penalty takers... Where people who played with City, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I mean, but what I mean, well, I, I think the decision to sit him had more to do not just with what happened, it had to do with something else that which I thought was really odd, and I think says something about Kepa, right? So after the game, he sits down with Miguel Delaney because Miguel speaks Spanish, obviously, and gives quotes that then get circulated to everybody. Mm. Correct. Mm. Then a couple hours later, he issues another statement. On his Twitter account, mm. both in Spanish and in English. Mm. He doesn't seem particularly contrite. It's one of those like, well, if I've upset anybody, then that's not my intention type. And then 24 hours after that, he issues Monday night, he issues a third statement on the club website 
what the hell's this guy's problem that he needs to apologize? You just get it right the first time. And if you speak to Miguel, who went through, and although Kepa was was um, a little bit pumped up still at that point, Miguel said he didn't apologize. He was very forthright still. And his reactions at the time to Miguel. So Miguel was called through to go through the mix zone to go to where the players' areas, literally the dressing rooms were. But it's not a good look when you need to do it three times. I mean, I appreciate Miguel. That was the first time he sits with him. But clearly, Mm. after he spoke to Miguel, after he's given quotes to everybody and their mother, right? You've gotten it wrong. The club asks you or your PR servant or presumably the club itself says, no, no, we need another statement because you're really not contrite enough. And he reissues a statement that Sunday night, and the statement is still kind of rubbish. No, no, Sunday night. His own one. His own one, yeah. Yeah. And then he does another one. Then he has to do another one on Monday. Mm. I I think at that point, I can see why the club's like, you know what? Why don't you take the Wednesday off, Kepa? Because, you know, I, I, I don't know that there's any scenario in the world. Even if your manager is taking you off because he's... He's flipping a coin on the sidelines. I don't know where to turn, or, or or he's you know read your astrology report, like you know Raymond Dominic style. You still have to come off when the guy asks you to come off, right? Well, it will be interesting to see who's in goal. <laughs> yeah, when uh, Chelsea face Fulham in the Premier League. But let's talk about Spurs then. It's the first time they failed to have a shot on target in a Premier League game under Maurizio Pochettino. So it's back to back defeats for them now. Gab, what's the cause of the slump? Do you think? I think some things are catching up with them a little bit you know when we talk about the size of the squad there's a lot of players who've played a lot of minutes you know when Kane got injured against United and there was that period after where Son was scoring the goals and they were getting through against Watford came from behind two goals there was another late goal and there was, there was a Leicester game they were getting away yeah. with it and there were games where actually they didn't play particularly well and the illusion was was wrong to actually, you know, where they were. You know, I think after the Leicester game, there were 10 points clear of the team, team in fifth. They, they were, but they hadn't played particularly well. And I think just the last two games, it's just caught up with them. That, you know, at some point, you don't get that run to the green you've got in the other games. And, and they, were, they were pretty much off the pace at Burley on the weekend. And, and, and I think the other thing that's quite important that people, a lot of people have missed is that Deli Alley's not been in the team and he moves people around in, in a way that the other that some of the other players don't move people around even if he doesn't necessarily score an assist it's just his movement drags people out of position um so They've that's kind of game since harry kane came well back. this is what i was going to say games. yeah they have <laughs> lost two games in a row since harry kane's yeah. return to to the squad you're does not that going so to possibly problem. suggest that it's a problem <laughs> it's all harry kane's fault <laughs> <It's a, laughs> but, but i mean i mean that's I mean, it's interesting you say harry kane when have you ever seen him react like that Last night, Natalie. I mean, no. It was an interesting point. So Trippier got a head injury. Hazard whacked him in, in the face. Tottenham gave the ball back. Sissaka kicked it forward. Louise mis- slightly miscontrolled it. And as he sort of went to take his second touch just outside his penalty area, Kane was on him. Because Chelsea were quite annoyed by the fact that Tottenham were meant to be giving the ball back. And Kane was trying to win the ball when perhaps he, sh- he was a little bit close to Louise and he shouldn't have been. Louise and Kane went against each other, and then Aspilicueta then joined in. Kane thrust his head down towards Aspilicueta, although you they didn't actually. Yeah. yeah, it didn't actually make contact. Um, and then the second half, Louise and Kane had a little bit of a sort of involvement. So he slightly, you know, for a guy, you, you know, you rarely see Kane losing his rag like that. So at the risk of annoying those Tottenham fans who listened to us who got annoyed before because people talked about lack of strength and depth and now 
people got annoyed when somebody uses the word Spursy, but between Pochettino losing his rag last week and Kane doing it this week, is this something that we notice and highlight because it's Tottenham and we think back to you know that, that incredible hissy fit back in the year that Leicester won it at Stamford Bridge when they all when everybody got booked? Or is it actually, you know what, most teams would react in this way and it's just because it's Spurs, we start talking about them cracking and, you know, Chelsea have two good performances in a row, so we need to find another team to pick on. Oh, look, Spurs have lost two in a row. Let's start picking on them like we picked on Chelsea and before that, like, you know, in the great media conspiracy, we all picked on poor Mr. Mourinho. Is that what's going on? There are legitimate questions to ask of Tottenham. I think they're playing, de- you know. There were legitimate questions to ask of Chelsea and, and United too, right? And yet you and the media all ganged up on them. <laughs> on Friday, Pochettino said, we can win the title if we have the belief. You know, four days later, he's been asked, are you not looking over your shoulders that three other teams going to, you that's quite a big swing. Even Pochettino touched on it the other day where he says, you is in the media, the players don't have that belief that we have that winning mentality he said it you know could take another five years and ten years of his time just to kind of instill that and that's quite an admission from him you know whether it was a kick up the backside the day before Chelsea or whether he genuinely believes that frankly if he finishes for a fourth consecutive year in the Champions League he's done an amazing job. Should we talk about the North London derby then which is to come this weekend what about Arsenal they've won five of the last six Premier League games only failing to beat Manchester City in that time they've been quietly resurgent would you say Gap? Well it's an impressive run of five wins out of six and then you realise that you know that run includes Bournemouth of course where they were very impressive Bournemouth are very up and down and then also such Premier League heavyweights as Cardiff Southampton and uh, and Huddersfield I'm I'm not making fun of Arsenal what I'm saying is this is a work in progress that you either believe in or don't believe in. They've got so much crap just to sort through, to figure out, what do you do with Ozil? Is Mkhitaryan part of this team's future or not? At the back, everybody's injured, then the guy comes back, then he gets hurt again, and Bellerin's gone for the season. I mean, I don't... Emery is really kind of in emergency mode. And so, yeah, if Arsenal finish top four, I think it's, it's a feet and a half for, for Emery. Right. So what have Arsenal become? I think that's the bigger question. What are Arsenal? And it's difficult to tell at the moment what they are. Earlier in the season, you could see which maybe what direction Emery was trying to head into. But I think of late, you probably couldn't, apart from last night, where he seemed to kind of let the shackles off a little bit and Mkhitaryan played quite well. But you know, at the start of the season, you could see there was a pressing. If ever, the best performances of the season probably been that Chelsea and the Tottenham performances, the two wins, where they really did, certainly the Tottenham one, they pressed and they actually was probably Chelsea there. too. They were, Chelsea, they were, Chelsea but, were off. I thought it was actually Chelsea's But it was only game, 10 days yeah. ago they went to Batty Borisov with pretty much a, a full-time stream apart from Ozil and were just absolutely shocking. This season, with your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every game in the Premier League. It's just £8 for an eight-week trial. Thursday at thetimes.co.uk, our very own Bill Edgar provides 11 trivia teasers for you, and here is one for you on this podcast. Peter Crouch, recently signed by Burnley, is aiming to score for a seventh different team in the top flight. But who holds the record of scoring for Eight different clubs in the top flight. And I can give you a little clue. We have to go back a little bit. He scored his goals between 1980 and 1995. So we're guessing somebody was born around 1960? 
that yeah. probably would be a good shout. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Is Dean I, Saunders that? No, he's <sighs> younger than that. I'm, just, I'm, I'm imagining, you know what I'm imagining? I'm imagining like an Ashley Ward type. Right. I just I hope Dean Saunders doesn't get offended. You were, Dean, you were a better player than Ashley Ward. But one of those guys who sort of bounces mm-hmm. around playing for different clubs and it's kind of a semi-reliable come on gary you can help us i was thinking about whether tony cascarino was involved but probably not if only there was somebody oh, here who knew right? tony well and ghosted his column <laughs> i used to not anymore um well, i don't oh. know 1980 i'm not sure well, is eight, it possible it's, it's a lot of clubs though eight is cascarino possible i don't feel he's played for that many no no the top flight no, and then he went abroad and everything. Yeah, too. exactly. Mm. This is a tr- this is a good one from Bill. I mean, he stumped us here. I think. Where is he like somebody like crappy, like 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 Owen Coyle or something? No, he played more recently than <laughs> that. We have right? a clue. One so I, don't, I don't mean. Well, yeah, well, we can't have any more clues. This is not a good clue, Bill. This is not a good clue. I oh, I can give you an extra clue. Okay, we're authorized. Oh, he won the title. Is what I'm being told to say. Oh. Okay, so presumably he won the title between 1989. Then yeah. he must have either played... Liverpool, Everton. Leeds United or, or Manchester United. Or Arsenal. Or, okay. or Manchester United. Yeah. Okay, so you've whittled that down. Okay, so it's not Chapman. He didn't play it's for that many clubs, right? He was up front for Leeds yeah. when they won the yeah, title. Right. And he wouldn't be an Arsenal player. There wasn't, wasn't an Arsenal player played that many clubs then. Oh. Oh, it's Dion Dublin. No, but no, but then he played after 1995. He must have, Dion Dublin played for a million clubs too, didn't he? <laughs> Charlie's just smiling. Okay, it can't be Dion Dublin because no. he didn't stop scoring in no, 1995. Exactly. Do you know what? This we sucks. Have... You can give us another clue, Natalie. But you don't know, do you? No, I don't even know. You just get handed clues. And, from... and, and look, a shake of the head from Charlie. Charlie's telling us no more. Although if that was in Bulgaria, that would mean yes, that he could give us another clue. That's true, actually. What do you do when you sort of say no in Bulgaria? Not? I basically throw my head around right. a lot and just hope people get what I'm saying. But it can be confusing when my mother is sort of saying yes, but shaking her head at the same time. I don't understand. <laughs> Anyhow, you haven't got long to find out David what the Speedy. answer is. David, okay. Yes, that's what it is, isn't it? He played for Liverpool too, didn't he? I don't know if he... Yeah, but I don't think he won the title with either of those two. Well, Liverpool and Everton both won the title, so David Speedy's plausible. So David Speedy is your possible answer. Yes. Stick around until the end of the podcast to find out the answer. Tottenham were the only team in the top six not to win in midweek. As title rivals, Liverpool and Manchester City were both victorious. City won 1-0 against West Ham, while the leaders, Liverpool, thrashed Watford 5-0 at Anfield. It was a very different Liverpool performance from the one we saw at Old Trafford Gap. And it was a really good performance, and he... he it was interesting because I mean, I've been saying this for the last three months, right? They they haven't played well for a long period, not just the results, but you know they haven't really played well since the since the City game, with the exception of Bournemouth at home. And Jurgen Klopp had the courage to change it around. You know, he played Divock Origi in the front three. He really freed up Sadio Mane, who had a tremendous game. And you know, when we talked on Monday about the struggles of the front three, Firmino's obviously injured now, but. You know, he's certainly been one who's struggling. Salah has been, I think, really inconsistent, despite the fact that I think he's still the joint Premier League top scorer. But I think it's Mane who's been taking over, and this is a game where Mane carried them. The other thing about Watford is Watford are generally not super consistent team, but this is really an injection 
of confidence and really, I think, a statement win for Liverpool. Well, everyone was purring about the crossing of Trent Alexander-Arnold. He, of course, was rested on Sunday. How important do you think he is to Liverpool's attacking threat then, Gab? I, he obviously contributes a lot. What I like about the way he puts the ball in the box is, I mean, Kieran Trippier is a great crosser of the ball as well, but I think you need a different type of service to Liverpool's frontmen because the ball you might deliver to to Van Dijk is going to be very different from the ball that you're going to want to deliver to, to, to Mane. And he's very good at calibrating that. I think he's very intelligent with his attacking movements. I think defensively he's he's still a guy who played in central midfield for for his entire career growing up and then is still switching to right back. So I think he can still improve there. From, but I think already for me, and I know I'm going to get pummeled for this, I don't think Robertson is great defensively. But I think Alexander-Arnold can be. I think you know, I mean, they, they both need to in, in improve in that front. But yeah, I think this is the best pair of fullbacks in the Premier League for me. You mentioned Roberto Firmino. He was absent through injury. Might be back for the Merseyside derby. Gary, how big a game is this in Liverpool's season? Massive, isn't it? They've got noses in front. Close the goal difference last night. Just have to win, really. There's no excuse. Just got to win. So, And also, if City, if City do win, then it's... It's as much about showing you can actually then go back above them, isn't it? It's that whole thing that Pochettino was moaning about in the year where Leicester were always playing first and he always had to play catch-up because he always felt like, you know, you're always playing second and the right. pressure's ramped up on you. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of that. Um, well, Manchester City do play Bournemouth on Saturday and then it's the Merseyside derby on Sunday, so... At least Liverpool have 24 hours at least and sort of know, know what, what they need to do. Exactly. <laughs> that is true. Um, what about Everton, though? Could this be a, a turning point for Marco Silva? He could really transform the mood at the club with a win there, Gary. I think he's got a long way to do that. I mean, if you look at their, you look at their last two wins against Cardiff and Huddersfield, and I think there's a lot of a scepticism about him and B scepticism about the whole the team and the amount of players and the job he's got to do there and, and the kind of amount of deadwood there. So I think um he's he's sort of he's a bit he's a bit like Emery the first season, gotta get players out and, and get to that's the style he wants. So they haven't particularly been very impressed. I, I saw them against Millwall and they were terrible in the air. Obviously they could see a lot of goals at set pieces and to me it's been a bit of a pretty poor season for them, you know. Um have, have spent- you worked out like Everton's recruitment, how much of it is Marco Silva and how much of it is... It's a good question as well. Rick Carlson was obviously his. We would hope so, but I don't know, it just seems weird to me Like when they just decide to go raid Bernard. Barcelona. Yeah. yeah, But it's not just this year, is it? It's going back with the Sigurdsson and... Yeah, but that wasn't him. You can't blame the... No, but it's... You know, yeah. Their recruitment. They're over. paying for, for for committing big sums Walcott, of money. Walcott, that sort of yeah. sort of things they've done, and you know, and some of the wages they're paying. They've got some players and some very large wages there, which you think you know, a little bit out of kilter what they're actually getting delivering on the pitch. Going back to what you say about the media, were people with Silver just sucked in because he was a guy who was dressed smartly on the dress on on the touch and it looked like Mourinho? I disagree. I think he played good football. He totally screwed up the situation at Watford and the way he handled it. And again, that was another one of those mid-season things and mm. things went south from there. But I thought Holt played really well when they went down. It's not just that they, they came close to but, you know, he took over a desperate situation. And I'm wondering if he's somebody who maybe is struggling to cope a little bit when he does have some resources. Again, bringing in those three guys from Barcelona, not that they're bad players. I know Andre Gomes is 
in addition to being very handsome, has also had his moments, and and Daniel has done has done fine. You know, I mean, I think it's a bit of a sideshow, but I wonder if maybe that's been one of the difficult how he relates to some of the the bigger name players that he has there. Honestly, it's quite difficult to tell with him because he, he doesn't stick around long enough, does he? You know, you, you'd actually want to see like him somewhere for two years, where you see yeah. there's a genuine period of time you can actually compare him. And he was only. At, he was at Hull for whatever number of games. It was quite a short period. Watford for a very short period. You'd really want to see him for a year and a half. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Now, on Monday's podcast, we discussed the sacking of Claude Puel as the Leicester manager and the possibility of Brendan Rodgers being approached to replace him. We didn't expect that a deal for Rodgers would be completed a little over 24 hours later. So Rodgers leaves the Scottish Premiership leaders Celtic to take over at the King Power Stadium. Gab, how do you rate that appointment then for Leicester? I'm happy to answer that. But first, I want to refer you to something I retreated from our colleague Michael Grant. Celtic fans putting up a banner, which was something like, you turned your back on immortality for a lifetime of mediocrity, something like that. I don't know, this really bugs me. It really bugs me when a manager walks out on a team, whatever the team is, in midseason, to go join another team. I think there should be a rule that you're not allowed to do that. Because even if he decided to, to stay, there would have been other issues. Have a blanket rule that you're not allowed to do this. Because it's, I don't know, I, I, just, I just don't really think it's, it's fair. You're going to have a lame duck end of the season for Celtic. Eight points clear. Okay, so I assume they, they'll, they'll win it and they've, he's won trebles before. I don't fault him for wanting to leave the club, but just to do it in this way. I mean, I, I would find it difficult that if he'd said to Leicester, yeah, look, I'm coming, but I'm going to come in the summer. And in the meantime, appoint a caretaker since you're obviously not going to get relegated and you're not going to win anything this season. And, you know, if he wants to get his mate to go and scout the players, keep an eye on things, that's fine. But I don't know. I, to me, this just really doesn't just really doesn't sit well at all. Uh, am, I, am I wrong here? I mean, I, and again, and people are going to say, oh, what about Ari and whatever? But it's different, right? If you'd done that, how would you have done it? Would you have announced he's going to take over, but he's only going to take over in the summer? Or would you sort of try yeah, and keep not? it quiet? Well, I suppose... Keeping it quiet is stupid because yeah. it's going to get out, right? Yeah, so if you... I mean, you, Pep Guardiola, right, told everybody he was going to leave, and then yeah. he left. Mm. And, you know, the argument is, well, he has two months, he can learn the club, he can evaluate the talent. You know what? Get one of your mini Brendans down there to work with whatever caretaker is there and use the rest of the season to evaluate them. I don't know, it doesn't feel right to me. Gary, if Rogers can perform well at Leicester, is he back on the market for a top six club? 
Uh, I think that's like the most famous. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was like Allison on Monday talking about Rogers. I don't know who, who dislikes not, him more. I, I'm, Are you not a fan? No, I'm not a fan, no. I've never been a fan. Do you no. dislike him more than Allison dislikes him? I don't think so. You kind of wonder about the substance a lot with him. And also... You, from an external perspective, I think he's a lot of it. A lot of the stuff he's done, he did very well at Swansea, but some of the other stuff feels a little bit high pitch, really. See, it's funny because I take the opposite view. I think his substance is actually pretty good. He did do well at Swansea. Well at Swansea, Liverpool, yeah. you know, they should have won the title that season. It's not like he made Steven Gerrard slip. Mm. I'm not having a go at Gerrard, but, but you, you know what I mean, right? It is Brendan Rodgers then who is in charge. You guys at. are so down on Brendan Rodgers. I can't. No, well, I, do you know what I was about to say? He does have a good record of nurturing young talent. He, he did that at, at Celtic, didn't he? And isn't that something that Leicester fans and the Leicester owners will be happy with? Knowing mm. that he could. He nurtured bring... Raheem Sterling, who then left the club. Still, Sorry. he might take some credit for that. <laughs> and he nurtured Balotelli. Remember Mario Balotelli when he signed Balotelli and he said, you know, I won't just make him a better player, I'll make him a better person as well. Now who's down on Brendan Rodgers? <laughs> no, but these, these are the things that he needs to cut out. But again, I, I think, you know, I said this before, like, we get fixated. We assume that managers don't learn and they always stay the same. And that's not true. Some managers seemingly never learn, Van Hal being one example. But others, I think, do evolve and, and learn, especially when they're a bit younger. I mean, when Mourinho gets his next job, is he going to be exactly the way he was at United and Chelsea? I guess is probably yes, uh, or very similar. But Brendan Rodgers is younger. He's at a different stage in his career. Why, why can't he behave differently? Maybe you know, realize that I can sell myself on my football rather than some of the things I say in press conferences. Let's turn our attentions to a, another uh, manager, a former Leicester boss, in fact, in Claudio Ranieri. Fulham fans seem to have turned on the Italian after the 2-0 defeat at Southampton last night. There was a banner mocking Fulham's original statement of Ranieri being a risk-free appointment. Fans were singing, you don't know what you're doing. Now, as we understand it, there could even be another change at Craven Cottage by the time this podcast comes out. Ooh, what well, do we we think don't of know. We don't so know. We're, we're speculating. We're, the we media are. does. We're, we're following... The agenda that was given to us by the Illuminati who run the world media this morning. And they said, today you will speculate about Claudio Ranieri's job. Yes. I thought he was going to do better simply because I don't think all those defenders taken as individuals are that bad. You know, it's easy to go and mock them. I think psychologically they're they're all spent. But, you know, Le Marchand, Tim Ream, Adoy, are these guys all really that terrible? Are these such terrible defenders that nobody can get them to play better? And if that's the case, do you find whoever re- recruited these guys and spent all the money and put them up against the wall? I mean, what do you do? I think if you are going to sack Rainier, I think this is probably the time to do it because you can still get a jolt and maybe you'll get a reaction and move up the table. You're making a face. Yeah, it's 10, it's 10 points, isn't it? It's such a big gap, isn't it? So... So you don't yeah. give them any chance of staying up, Gary? It's a big gap, isn't it? Ten points, really. With ten games, that's a point a game you've got to get on everyone else. That's kind of quite a big gap. Yeah, to Southampton of... defeat was so big, wasn't it? Whatever appointment they, they make now, and presumably Park will get it in the short term, is that the next appointment is, is a guy who can cope with the championship. So, you know, they actually had one of those. <laughs> get you in Nikanovic. Yes, and that didn't last very long. And of course, the last time they were in the Premier League, they also had three managers in a yeah. season. They 
They don't quite get it right, do they? Can you name them? So I was thinking about this. Yes. This is bothering me. No. Go on. Who's the first? I'm assuming Kit Simons is one of them. No, no. it wasn't. It's Chris Coleman. No. Laurie Sanchez. This is to be a Bill Edgar type. This is, this, this is a Bill Edgar this type. This is worse than your Dion Dublin efforts. The first one was Dutch. Martin Yole? Yes. Hey. Second Good one stuff. was also Dutch. Renee Molenstein? Yes. Oh, good. Good one. And then they got the Dutch's best friends involved. Oh, don't tell me they got Felix Magas. Was yes. he here before? Oh, yeah. I was thinking of Penfold. My the gosh. Oh. That's, that's Felix Magas. I think my cues are far too. They were good, good. clues. No, they, they were good. Too, too good. I think no, we like them. I think that helped. They spent a lot of money this summer. They spent what, last summer. They spent what? They're close one of the to five biggest spending yeah. teams in all of Europe. There's obviously a lot of work to do there. Hi there, and welcome to the Sweeper, which is the Times' fancy football tip service. I'm Charlie Scott, joined by Paddy Bear. Hello. And we're here to discuss, have a look back at Game Week 28 and look forward to Game Week 29. Well, we've had a couple of quick-fire ones, haven't we? It's always nice to have a, a midweek game week after having missed a, a recent weekend for the FA Cup. Um, it was a slightly strange one. If you had a Liverpool defender, you were laughing. Uh, if you didn't, you probably weren't, unless, of course, you had Newcastle's Fabian Shah. <laughs> I mean, a strange week. I think if you got sort of mid-50s, early 60s, you're doing, you're doing OK, pretty much. Yeah, definitely. Liverpool 5-0. Uh, Van Dijk scoring 20 points. Alexander-Arnold, 18 points. First game back from injury. And Robertson chipping in with the 13. So, yeah, if you had one or two, or if anyone had three, then that's just unfair. Well, all while Salah was doing nothing. Yeah. I think Liverpool are good going forward, aren't they? They, they don't have their blank game weeks when others do. Um, they've got some decent fixtures. They're obviously going for the title. Salah's going to come good. We've seen Mane score some goals, and those defenders are all fair game, really. And uh, just looking ahead to this weekend, games that jump out at you, I like City, Bournemouth. Bournemouth just shipping goals. Yeah, especially against big sides. They don't seem to be... Um, they don't have that knack that a sort of Benitez Newcastle team do. They're really frustrating big sides. Wolves have been good at that this season as well. Oh, they obviously Bournemouth play an expansive style, and it leaves them open to um, conceding the odd five or six goaler. Absolutely, and uh, Raheem Sterling loves playing against Bournemouth. He came on as a sub midweek so I would expect him to be straight back into the starting 11 they looked a bit toothless without him on the pitch um, so I think he's definitely a captain pick for me mm-hmm. agreed agreed hey, possibly the best one of the lot definitely uh, what about uh, Leicester Brendan, yeah Brendan Rodgers has arrived um, we know what the sort of new manager boost often does for teams and they look a team with having the benefit of having good fixtures as well and some good young uh, midfielders especially absolutely I mean I haven't seen an awful lot of Leicester this season I've tried to avoid them because Claude Pearl it's just quite a boring man and it's quite a boring team but yeah first game without him and they look great Harvey Barnes yeah. uh, got in lots of good positions James Madison's shown he's a class player and Damari Gray you like the look of yeah I think those three are going to be unleashed a bit they've got that Yuri Tillemans as well new boy and um, and Vardy plays up front uh, at the top of that I think we'll be delving into that in the email this week um, which Leicester players to sign and which to avoid because I think you're going to want to have one or two uh, in your team for the next few weeks definitely definitely uh, don't forget you can sign up for the email at thetimes.co.uk forward slash fancy football there is also a link to that in the podcast description or join our Facebook group by searching for The Sweeper It is time now for our weekly predictions game where Gab and I try and predict the score for five games in the world of football this weekend. Reminder that I lead 14-8 this season. But I'm there are, closing in. You are closing in. 
some huge games coming up this weekend. In particular, we can focus on the North London derby. We've spoken about Tottenham and Arsenal already. What do you think, Gab? I'll let you go first. I think this is potentially a bit of a pivotal game for Spurs' season because you know what's going to happen if they lose at home. You know, the national media agenda will gang up on Pochettino again and they'll point out that the gap goes down to just one point and everything and it's all falling apart and what was he, what was he thinking linking himself to Manchester United, blah, 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 no investment. On the other hand, if they win, you're seven points clear again, you know, and everybody else can go do one. So for that reason, I'm going to just sit on the fence and call it a draw, 1-1, which would not be a bad result for Spurs, I think, no. given the circumstances. But they haven't drawn yet in the Premier League. That would be interesting. Well, that's another reason they're due, aren't they? I know. You're right. You're right. Uh, I think, oh, if this is the most difficult one, I think, of the, of the games that we've picked, I am going to plump for... Tottenham turning it around. 2-1 win. Ooh. Fulham and mm. Chelsea. I am going for a Chelsea 2-0 win. Yeah. Easy enough. Bish, best boss. And, yeah. You know, if Scott Parker isn't in charge, that would certainly help him get in charge. I'm going to go with Chelsea winning as well. I'm going to say 3-1. Okay. Merseyside derby this weekend is at Goodison. This so. is easy. We just always predict the draw. Right? Well, have you gone for the draw? I haven't gone for I the draw. I think, really, I've yeah. predicted a draw in every single Merseyside derby mm. going back like 10 years. And most of the time, I feel like I'm right. So, what are you going for? I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Are you? Okay. It's I... like Marco Silva wins one game, or maybe it's two games now, and he's like, whoa, we're, we're coming back. Like, okay. Well, after their impressive midweek fixture against Watford, I just think Liverpool going to be in a bit of a roll. I am going to go for a 3-1 win. Yeah. Yeah, why not? You're disrespecting Jordan Pickford there. <laughs> you know that. I am. Uh, you're right. Southend and Barnsley. Yes, League One. Yes, Barnsley, I don't know if you knew this, Natalie, but they're second in mm. League One, and they're unbeaten in their last 14 games yeah. under German Daniel Stendel. Goodness, Gab, you're wowing us with your knowledge. Amazing, I can, I can read, a, read a script here. <laughs> and in Southend's last home game, though, they came from 3-0 down to draw 3-3 with Portsmouth. I still think, despite Southend's great fight back, against Portsmouth. I just think Barnsley will be too strong. As you say, 14 games, they've gone unbeaten. So the last league defeat was December the 8th. I'm going for a Barnsley 2-1 win. It sounds about reasonable. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say um, Barnsley to win 2-0. We've had one El Clasico already this week and we've got another one this weekend. Yes, that was a cup one. And this is the real one. Um <laughs> Barcelona absolutely trounced Real Madrid 3-0. And remember I wrote that column about Barcelona were Messi-dependent? Yes. Weren't quite as Messi-dependent against Real Madrid. They obviously turned it on. That said, I'm going to go out on a limb and believe in the Madrid fight back. I got absolutely hosed for suggesting that Real Madrid could get a draw last time at the Camp Nou. And, of course, they, they lost, was it 5-1 or 5-0? But, yeah, I, I expect a reaction from Real Madrid. So I'm going to go with a draw, 1-1. One, one. Oh, OK. Well, I'm not as optimistic for Real Madrid as you are. I think Barcelona have uh, done particularly well against them this season, as you've but already alluded dependent. to. I know, but, you know, even so, I'm going for a Barca 2-1 win. 
to be fair about messy dependency, as long as you have them, it's not such a bad thing. You know, it's, it's, it's like saying you two are Bono dependent. And if he wasn't there, like, you know, would they sell out concerts, you know, just to watch the edge screw around? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Wouldn't quite be the same thing. Just time to give you the answer to Bill Edgar's trivia teaser. We asked Peter Crouch, recently signed by Burnley, is aiming to score for a seventh different team in the top flight. But who holds the record of scoring for eight different clubs in the top flight? So the clues were it was somebody who scored between 1980 yes. and 1995. Uh-huh. And also Charlie very, very kindly gave us another clue, which was that he'd won the title in that time. And then Gary helpfully worked out that the only teams to have won the title between 1980 and 1995 were Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United, Leeds United, and of course the mighty Toffeeman. Mm-hmm. So I speculated that it might be David Speedy, but you guys were too lame to even come up with a guess. <laughs> I felt like I was it was too far ago. You weren't even to, born then well, when I, he I'm, stopped scoring. <laughs> um, David Speedy is incorrect. He never won the title <sighs> and never played for Everton. Okay, but he played for team. He played for yes, Liverpool, who did win the title. Liverpool won the title speed. 18 times, and it's going to be 19 <laughs> come May. Ooh, that's okay. a bold claim. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to give you some more clues. I'll give right. you some of the clubs that this player played for. Stoke, Arsenal, Sunderland. You said it was nobody who played for Arsenal. You were a liar. Sheffield Wednesday. David Hurst. Nottingham Forest. Leeds. West oh. Ham. And Ipswich. So those are the eight clubs. Does that make you think of anyone in particular? I'm trying to think who we would have won the title with because out of those, maybe it's not a striker. Maybe we're just too... Is it a striker? She's nodding, nodding. so it's a striker. It's the non-Bulgarian nod saying yes. Okay. Shall I also say that you may have said his name? I did. You did? Okay. You kind of said it and then dismissed it quite quickly. There was a celebrity couple. This guy was married to a celebrity or is married oh, is it to Chapman? Lee Chapman Lee Chapman oh. God I'm good you are oh, good so you yeah. couldn't come up with anything Gary you lived through this period <laughs> I was too young there you go you were too young in 1995 it didn't impress upon you it didn't impress upon you then but of course he did win the, the title with Leeds two players have scored for seven clubs in the top division Frank Worthington and Craig Bellamy but we uh, don't have time to go into all of their clubs Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and you also get The Sunday Times as well, uh, where you can read everything that our friend Johnny Northcroft writes. Uh, This will allow you to enjoy award-winning journalism online, also on your smartphone or tablet, just one pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. We'll be back on Monday with all the reaction to a big weekend in the Premier League. Plus, Tottenham and Manchester United are in Champions League action. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.